This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. So before I introduce today's guest, I want to share with you my five tips to stop abandoning your goals. Here we are, January 2022. It's always the time of year where where a lot of people decide they're going to lose weight, get in shape, you know, and they set their New Year's resolutions. But did you know that studies show that by mid-February, 80% of people give up on those goals? That number is astounding. So I want to share these tips with you. And by the way, if you're listening to this later in the year, just know that you don't have to, you know, set your goals in January. You can set goals anytime during the year, and I encourage you to do so. So my first tip is to make sure that you have a detailed plan. I I like to use the acronym SMART. So you want to make sure your goals are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. That is so, so important. So make sure you have that detailed plan. Second is get an accountability partner, especially if you are somebody that that needs to be held accountable. Most of us do. We're all human. It's okay if you need to be held accountable. Find somebody that you can trust and is going to call you out and be like, hey, you didn't check in. You didn't check in with me today. What's going on? So make sure you get that accountability partner. Third is attach your emotions to the goal. This is so important because the way that you manifest anything into your reality is the feeling that you want, the feeling that it brings. So I encourage everyone, and again, you can do this anytime throughout the year, is write yourself a letter and write the letter to your future self and date it one year from today and write the letter to yourself stating all of the amazing things that you accomplished, but more importantly, how amazing it felt. That is the key. It's the feelings that help you to achieve your goals. The feelings is what brings things into reality for you. Fourth, there's many apps out there that will help you keep on track. I use Way of Life. There's about, at the time of this recording, there's probably about five, maybe more. Um, So you can use an app that'll help you to stay on track or just simply set an alarm on your phone to remind you to take action toward whatever that goal is you're trying to achieve. Lastly, celebrate your wins. This is so important because every small step that you take toward achieving your goals needs to be celebrated. Now, the most important thing that I want to emphasize today is if you have a setback, it's okay. Please don't beat yourself up. Talk to yourself like you're speaking to a child that is upset. If you are talking to a child that is upset, you're going to be gentle. You're going to be compassionate. So please be gentle and compassionate with yourself. So thank you so much for listening. To learn more about me, go to my website at www.sandyscarlotta.com. Today's guest is Dr. Michael Hakimi. As a board-certified plastic surgeon, Dr. Hakimi specializes in cosmetic face and body surgery and has dedicated his professional life to helping men and women obtain the look they desire, educating his clients on their aesthetic options and helping them reach and achieve their goals has led Dr. Hakimi to becoming a well-known surgeon in the Beverly Hills, California area. This is a really informative interview, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode.
Hello, Dr. Hakimi. How are you today? I'm doing great, Sandy. How are you? I'm doing great. And you sound so calm, even though we had all these little technical difficulties. <laughs> it's the nature of being a surgeon. You've got to stay calm. Well, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. So Happiness Solve Podcast is all about you know inspiring people, letting you know helping people to feel really good and and sharing people's stories and everybody has a story what is your story that got you to where you are today uh sandy i think the most common question when people want to know your story is like why plastic surgery and as you said why are you here today uh i think looking back uh, my uh, my parents are in medicine my mother is a nurse my father is a general surgeon and i think early exposure to medicine definitely had something to do with where i where i'm now um, even though they try to keep an open mind. Uh, but quite honest with you, Sandy, the reason I'm here is because I like talking to people, working with people. I think uh, at the end of the day, it's a job. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an excuse for, for me or for anybody else that's in medicine to interact with people and touch somebody else's life. You know, some, sometimes people go to psychiatry. Sometimes people become personal trainers or have a podcast. And, you know, people like you probably can affect many lives with one podcast because you can reach out a much broader uh, audience. In my line of work in plastic surgery, we can treat one patient at a time. And I think the uh, majority of it has to do with me liking to talk to people. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very privileged field. People come to your office, they talk about the most intimate insecurities, right? Women tell you that I've been wearing my hair a certain way because of a certain thing that I am embarrassed about in my face or I'm insecure about my body. And uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a very uh, privileged field in medicine that you know, people come to you and they get to share with you and you get to help them both physically, emotionally, and then you watch them grow. Uh, one of the things that, Sandy, I never thought would come out of social media is in the past, we used to operate on people and you see them in follow-ups. Yes, there were hugs and kisses and, you know, I'm happy. I can't tell you how happy I am, Dr. Hakimi. Now you see them on social media and you really see these people's growth. Not only they brag about the procedure that they have, but they also tag you. They're like, thank you for my self-confidence. And then you see them in their dating lives and their uh, activities, their athletic activities, the way they, 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 they go about their lives. It's a, it's a very profound effect that we can have on people's lives. Uh, when I was in medical school, I, I kind of knew... Uh, always I was going to be a surgeon. Then uh, I thought I was going to be an obstetrician. I like having female patients. I like working with uh, female patients. And then I did my plastic surgery rotation. And I found out that I could actually channel a lot of my OCD and uh, artistic parts of my brain into this field. And it was, uh, it was, a, it was a very good match. It satisfied my desire to work with people, medicine, and also get to use your uh, artistic part of your brain and um, uh, a little bit of obsessive compulsive issues that we all have. It's channeled into my surgery and into my patients. That's interesting you say that because, if, well, when you first said it, I thought, well, that's a good thing. But then I started thinking, wow, I never really thought about that. And that's a really good thing in your line of work because you know, if somebody is going to be working on my face or any part of my body, I would hope that they would be a little, a little OCD, right? 
Right. And uh, there, there are a lot of them, at least in plastic surgery, I can assure you talking to my friends and other plastic surgeons, there is a lot of that OCD going on. And I'm sure you uh, you know, like every field has specific personality traits. I bet OCD is probably number one in plastic. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really interesting. And it's something I'd never considered. So you, you help women and men transform their lives. So what is, is there a common theme with men and women both when they come to see you that, that they're looking for with, with, you know, a, a specific procedure or whatever, but is there an underlying common theme that you have found? There, there, there are a few. I would say majority of people, they want me to know that they're doing it for themselves. And that's a very good sign. To me, when I interview the patient, they have to convince me that they're a good patient as much as I have to look at them and make sure that anatomically, physiologically, and psychologically, they're a good candidate for the procedure. And when I talk to someone and they tell me, listen, I'm just doing it for myself. My husband doesn't even think I need it. Or I had to convince my wife to let me come here because of my arms. I've been self-conscious. A lot of it is uh, for our own self-esteem, not because we want to show it to other people, not because we're self-conscious outside, that it's it's a lot of things they do for themselves. That's equally distributed. I think men and women, both of them, they come in saying that they, they're doing it for themselves. So they feel, the, uh, they look the way they feel. My more mature patients, I would say over 40, 45 years of age, the common theme is when I look in the mirror, I feel that I'm so much younger inside that what I, uh, the picture that I'm looking at in the mirror. And uh, that goes for both men and women. Now, there are certain traits, Sandy, that really have been picking up after COVID-19 and the way plastic surgery is going these days. That's more superficial, right? So when you ask what are the common, you know, common uh, factors among patients, but on a more superficial level, what are the procedures that all these people are coming and getting? I would say early on about when COVID started three, four months into it, when some level of normalcy were able to open up our offices back and people were getting used to having these at-home work uh, environments, whether it's Zoom or some sort of a video uh, system, there was a rush for facial rejuvenation, Sandy. People were looking at their Zoom in their cell phone camera, not to mention in the horrible lighting that we have at home with horrible angles that we usually look at ourselves in a FaceTime or, or Zoom meeting. And they all noticed, oh my God, my jawline used to be sharper. Or I keep looking at the skin underneath my chin that's been now bothering me. And there was a huge surge in patients coming asking for facial rejuvenation procedure, whether it's a neck contouring for a younger patient, whether it's a lower facelift for more mature uh, patients. Um, that, that's uh, both equally in men and women. All of a sudden, they had to look at themselves when they talk to other people. Because when you think about Sandy, when we're at work, how often do you look at yourself when you're talking to other people at work? Even at my line of work, I talk to patients. I don't see myself in the mirror. I look at them in the mirror. Now, even in my practice, I do Zoom consults for out-of-town patients, and I find myself uh, looking at myself more than I like to throughout the day. And, you know, 
that trend hasn't changed at all since COVID. And I think it's here to stay as we accept that virtual work reality as part of our lives. The other thing that happened uh, over the last, I would say, as the vaccination numbers went up and as the some level of normalcy came to our lives and people were allowed to travel, there was a huge jump for liposuction. I mean, imagine we closed the gyms for a couple of years. Um, we sat home. We didn't have much you know, much to do outside our homes. And some people, me included, we do stress eating or emotional eating. Or when I'm at home, my office is a little bit too close to my kitchen and the fridge. And uh, they say average American gained about 20 to 30 pounds over the last couple of years because of COVID, gyms being closed and whatnot. Then all of a sudden, they open the, uh, the travel. People are traveling. And unfortunately, no diet worked fast enough for this generation that it's so much into immediate gratification. They, these are, you know, we want, we want it now and we want the results tomorrow. Of course, no downtime, no pain and nothing else. So as soon as that started, Sandy, people came in asking for liposuction. And the first question, how soon can I travel? How soon can I swim? How soon can I go to Hawaii? Because... People wanted to get out and people wanted to get out more than before because I truly think one thing that came out of, unfortunately, COVID was that we realized how short life is and how much of it we take for granted. All the vacations that I didn't take because I was busy running my business. Now people are like making up for it because you never know when is, God forbid, the next shutdown is going to happen. And when is the next time you're going to see your friends and you're able to go out and um, have fun with them and post it on your social media? And uh, I think in plastic surgery, I really think from my perspective, a lot of good came out of, uh, came out of COVID, not just for plastic surgeons, but to us as humans. I think we're, we're more open to travel. We're going to enjoy life in a way that we might have taken it for granted in the past. And I think that's very obvious, at least in plastic surgery patient behavior. We are going to take a quick break from today's interview because I am so excited to tell you about a new program that I've just rolled out. It includes two group coaching calls each month to help you create the lasting happiness you so desire. It's only a $50 a month investment in yourself and you are worth it. So visit www.sandyscarlotta.com slash courses to sign up. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's interview. Yeah. Well, yeah, you raised so many great points. Yeah. So what do you say to someone who walks in and I'm, I'm, I'm picturing a few celebrities in my mind right now that clearly have done way too much. Like, what do you say to somebody, you know, when they want, they want more, they want more, they want more. That's a good question. Um, I do get them. I, I do say no to my patients quite often when first I feel that it's going down the wrong path. And I tell them my job as your doctor is to protect you against your own wrong decisions because you sometimes you get caught up in that uh, getting these procedures done and 
you forget what normal looks like after a while. Um, I, I do, I say no, and I tell them that I'm sure if you look enough, there is going to be someone who is willing to do it. What people do these days, and because they have access to social media, they have access to more plastic surgeons, cosmetic surgeons, all you need is open your Instagram and you can see uh, you have access to all of them to make an appointment, see a free consultation. Unfortunately, these people that do it a lot, if a plastic surgeon like me tells them no, they're going to go and find someone that would tell them yes. And unfortunately, there is nothing we can do about it. In my personal, in my practice, my personal philosophy, if I feel that it's not something that I would want to have my name on it, that they say Dr. X did his or her lips or body liposuction or whatnot, I tell them that this doesn't fit my aesthetic standards. It's not the right procedure for you. And in many cases, quite honest with you, it's a safety issue. It's like you've had so many procedures, the risk logarithmically goes up as you keep doing these procedures, the risk of complications go up. And deep in my heart, I know that some of them leave my office and they're going to go and find one person that finally tells them yes. And I, I, you know, eight out of 10 probably will be fine. But God forbid, if they get a complication, then you always hear these stories that she had a complication, but three other plastic surgeons told her, don't do it. But she managed to find one person that was willing to take the risk. And that's in my practice, I feel like part of my job besides surgery is to educate patients. Because as you know, these days, there's because of social media, people are aware more than ever. They know They know different types of procedures. They know different types of non-surgical procedures. And every company, every doctor claims that they can deliver a specific result. And Sandy, it's confusing. If I wasn't a plastic surgeon, and if I don't keep up with my reading and attending meetings and whatnot, it's it's a very confusing world out there. What procedure would would I need? What which which machine is going to deliver the result that I want, or which surgical procedure? And I think as plastic surgeons, we always talk about the importance of educating patients during consultation sessions in my office. Usually, I spend a good one hour with these patients to tell them what procedures are available to them, which ones, in my opinion, are the best fit for their body type, their face, and the outcome that they want. And if I, even if I don't offer them in my practice, I think it's my obligation to tell them those are the, those are the procedures out there because how informed of a consent is it really if somebody comes to you and you don't tell them all their options? And many times they come and they talk and they're like, oh my God, I spent, you know, months on Instagram or on Google trying to figure out which one would be the right procedure for me. And in one hour, we can make it very clear for them. So I am all for plastic surgery and I've had my, I've had things done over the course of my life. I'm now in my mid fifties. So I've had, I've had a few things here and there and, and I'm not, ashamed to talk about it. I, I, it made me feel better. I think it's great. And if it makes you feel better about yourself, as you were saying in the beginning of the interview, I'm all for it. However, I wonder, is there a line where, and this goes back to doing it too much. Is there a line between 
someone maybe needing some counseling to help them with their self-esteem because no amount of, you know, at the end of the day, no amount of plastic surgery is going to make you happy on the inside if you're not already there, right? It's just, it is going to boost your self-esteem and your confidence about yourself. However, you know, is, is there a line there in your opinion? Excellent question. Um, yes. When I talk to patients and, uh, you know, as plastic surgeons, we know this. It's just that some of us are more conservative than others. When I talk to a patient and their level of anxiety towards a specific body part is disproportionate to the issue, I always have a talk with them. Have you talked to anyone about this? Maybe a therapist. Does your doctor, do? does your primary care doctor know how distressed you are? If you can't sleep because the way your cheeks are or the volume of your, you know, upper abdomen, if it's causing you social anxiety, these are the stuff that plastic surgery may not be the ultimate answer. Maybe it will play a role in in getting you back to uh, to your baseline, but it's not going to be the only thing you need. You definitely have to talk to someone, and uh, it's it's a it's an art for us. You know, you don't want to uh, you don't want to turn off the patient by telling them you need to see a therapist. How even though every day I think mental health is more and more normalized to talk about it, and that really helps me and my practice when uh, when when I tell them that you probably should talk to someone just so that they can guide us through this. I'm not going anywhere. I just want to do this in conjunction with somebody else that also is aware of your anxiety or depression or if there is anything else that you have to address. Uh, Body dysmorphia, Sandy, is very, very common. Um, It's getting worse and worse as these teenagers get exposed to social media early on in life. And with all these filters and you know, professional photographies and whatnot, they don't even know what's natural, what's normal. So it, yes, to your point, a lot of them come asking for things that may not even be possible. And it's our job as plastic surgeon to, to recognize it and tell them that either early on before doing the procedure, we need to work with other professionals in this field to do this right. Or if they've already had many procedures and you're now probably the fourth or fifth plastic surgeon that they're seeing, uh, you, 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 can always, you can always stop it and guide them in the right way. Mm, that's, that's really great to hear. Now, what is body dysmorphia? I have a, I have a, a clue, but, but could you just elaborate on that? what that means for the audience? Body dysmorphia is when you... When you look at yourself in the mirror, you're overly critical of a specific part of your body. Probably the most common one in, in plastic surgery is nose. People look in the mirror and they, the way they see themselves in the mirror is slightly disproportionate to the real image that you and I see of them. In their mind, they're over-focused on a specific part. They think that their nose is so large that it takes over their entire face and nobody can pay attention to their eyes because the nostrils are so big. When you have them, when you let these people explain what they see, it's very clear that what they see is not what you, you, what you see in your exam. And I always tell them, 
As a plastic surgeon, I like to think that I see more than most people. I analyze faces and bodies for a living. So if I had to wait here for five minutes to see the deformity that you see and you're so anxious about it, it's, it's disproportionate to the actual issue. And body dysmorphia, some people know that they have it and there are, believe it or not, medications that people take, you know, someone is on Prozac for life because, or many months because of depression, anxiety, and uh, body dysmorphia, if it becomes an issue in your day-to-day -day life, therapist or your primary care doctor or psychiatrist, they can put you on medication that would put it at bay so you're actually able to go and function and socialize and not be overly focused on that specific part. Mm, I'm sitting here laughing without you hearing me because I had no idea that I suffered with body dysmorphia for so many years. Yeah. And I actually talk about it in my book yeah. that I was teased so horribly going, growing up about my nose because I've got this like turned up nose that Michael Jackson, you know, paid a lot of money to have his, his nose look like. Mine doesn't look just like that, but it, it's this turn up. And I was teased so badly. And in my 40s, I went to a plastic surgeon and they took a picture of what you know, on the computer and showed me what it would look like. And that cured me of my body dysmorphia because I thought it was horrible. <laughs> I was like, and that was when I finally accepted my nose the way it is. So <laughs> thank you for that. I finally know what it was I, I suffered with all those years. <laughs> so Michael, this has been so informative. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience today? What I always tell my patients when I see them in consultation, I'm like, one thing you take away from this meeting is do your research for when you're doing an elective procedure. There's no rush. You've lived your life for 25 years, 55 years with this face or with this body. If you decide to do a procedure, do your research, do your own reading, and see a few plastic surgeons, a few professionals. Chances are each of them are going to teach you something about yourself and about that issue. And after you see three or four, you're going to find one person that you like them. You like their personality because, Sandy, even though complications are rare and far in between, if they happen, you got to see that plastic surgeon, your doctor, a few times more than you like to. Plus, if you like your doctor, you're going to be more compliant with your doctor. So you want it's like almost speed dating. You want to make sure you like your doctor, you like the way they their bedside manners, you like their photos, and you like the way they do the surgery. Uh, and uh, I just, a random number, probably somewhere between three to five plastic surgeons is a good number to do a consultation before you commit. And most of my patients, even though they come to me for a surgery, I encourage them, like, listen, if I'm your first plastic surgeon, see a couple more plastic surgeons, make sure this is the right procedure and you feel comfortable with it, then commit. There is no rush. It's an elective procedure. Right. Well, thank you so much. This has been so informative and uh, keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing, Dr. Hakimi. This is awesome. Thank you so much, Sandy, for having me. All right. Thank you. Have a great one. You too. That was a really great discussion. And for anyone out there looking to do any type of plastic surgery, please use his advice and see three to five different surgeons before taking any action. 
So you can learn more about Dr. Hakimi at HakimiPlasticSurgery.com. So thank you so much for joining me today. You can learn more about me at SandyScarlotta.com. My book, Happiness Solved, Climbing 100 Steps, is available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. And as always, I hope that you and your family stay safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.